Yes, I'm recording now. As am I. Recording am is me. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was like half reading something on my phone while I was saying that. Oh, Wonderful. I guess I'll... Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're starting on a good note, I guess. We're all in a good mood. Hey, it's not an oil painting, but, you know, it's... We're doing our best here. It's not an oil painting. But we're doing our best here. Correct. Is that an expression? It is now. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Touche. You got me there. Yeah. You know, we're happy to be here. Happy to be bringing you this show. Yeah. Uh, once again. Again, the reason we do this show is because we're both such fans of this show that we're happy to rewatch. I mean, I'm like, I'm already having that moment. I'm looking ahead on our our episode list, and I'm like, oh man, we have like another two, we have two more episodes, then we have our like two parter finale. We're gonna finish a season, and it's like, this is yep. going by so fast, and <gasps> I'm still so scared, and oh, it's wonderful. It's nice. Uh, you know, I was definitely gonna go back to the show at some point anyway. So mm-hmm. what? What better reason to than to do this? I find myself, I, I find it really hard to get into shows. I mean, I know how long it took me to get into Game of Thrones. I've still mm-hmm. not watched Breaking Bad. There's a lot of shows I know uh, I want either. to watch and I know I would enjoy, but I just don't go back to. And even some shows I do end up rewatching too frequently. Like, I think I've rewatched the entirety of Futurama four or five yeah. times now because it's just such an easy show to put on. And, it is. I mean, yeah, I think Avatar would have hit the rotation eventually. But I've been saying that for like two years, and it took us finally making this podcast. In fact, the entire point of this podcast, I'm sorry to break it to you, Ryan, was just me looking for an excuse to watch it again. You are merely <laughs> a pawn in my little game of self-control. Ah, oh, well, you know. <laughs> as long as it you accept your fate and everyone's happy. Nah, can't complain. There you go. So what say you we jump into our first episode? Yes, I actually prepared this time. I have the page open that has the synopses. Uh, I mean, you usually do. You're pretty quick at this. Are you telling me in the past you've just been quickly Googling it as I've been talking? Yes, maybe. (laughs) I do want to wait for you to call me, so. (laughs) Um, Right, so we're at book one, episode 15, uh, and this is Bato of the Water Tribe. Sokka and Katara meet Bato, a warrior from the Southern Water Tribe, at an abbey. When Aang overhears that Sokka and Katara are excited over the prospect of reuniting with their father, he hides a map leading to their father's location. Meanwhile, Zuko, using Katara's necklace, hires a bounty hunter named June to track down Aang. I I do want to start this off by um, pointing out a wonderful pun I only just noticed. Right. The name of the uh, member of the Water Tribe? Bateau? Which is French for... Oh, it's French for boat. (laughs) Water Tribe, Uh, they get around on boats. His name is basically... I mean, it's not spelled the same way, but... I feel like it's like an easy enough stretch to make. They've done some weird things like that in the past. I'd say that's a distinct possibility. (laughs) And us being francophones, partially, could point that out clearly. There is something something French. no other podcast about this show can give you. The French perspective. 
Yeah, the like, ever-valuable French perspective. I mean, I'm probably wrong. I guarantee you, I'm going to get an email tomorrow from an angry group of people from France who've been doing this podcast for two years before us. Yeah. And they'll, More they'll power absorb us and we'll be part of their fan club. What? Conglomerate. Conglomerate. Podcast conglomerate. So I'm a little loopy, words. I apologize. That's okay. You worked. You worked a long day. Oh, yeah, and I got longer ones coming up. Uh, yep. But we finally get our first uh, connection to the Water Tribe. Besides, le- since we've left them in the opening episodes, we haven't really had many encounters. We had the scroll of the Water Tribe, but other than that, we haven't yep. met anybody, let alone had any real contact or knowledge of how they're doing. And here we find out, not only are we meeting someone that the kids know, we are meeting someone who is closely connected to their father, who is actually going to be in contact with his fa- their father. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a nice little payoff. I mean, obviously, you don't get the grand payoff. Uh, we don't meet Sokka and Katara's father at this point in the show, but it is clearly alluded uh, that he's still alive, he's still well, he's still actively fighting the Fire Nation. Um, I imagine if he had passed away, they would have heard about it in some way. But Yeah, and just... the, getting the map and all that, it kind of feels like it's it's a really big sign, yeah. like, as much as I know where this goes it's a pretty good indication of like, hey, I'm still alive. Here's information for Bato to come find us now that he's ready. I'm yeah. pretty sure if he was dead, that would come with that message. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you just get a little bit of hope. You even see some flashbacks. You get a, a tiny peak of insight into, into sort of Sokka's relationship with his father. Sokka idolizes his father. Mm-hmm. He wants to be like his father. Um, and in some ways, you could see his father leaving him behind as as sort of abandoning him, and I think Sokka sees it that way in some capacity, but also the faith that his father showed in him mm-hmm. uh, came through in those in those little flashbacks, saying that, you know, you have to take care of your tribe now. You're the man of the tribe. Yeah, and we, we they do a few things to drive the point home. When Bato talks about ice dodging and asks how his first time out was, and he has to be like, yeah, no, you guys left before I was old enough. Again, just kind of like putting it out there, the how much of his childhood he missed out on, how much of his growing up his father missed out on. Though, with reason, it wasn't like an abandonment. It was a duties beyond those of his family, those for his tribe and his village and his people. They're, mm-hmm. they're rational, but you do see that even though they all understand, yeah, dad had to go to war, he missed out on me growing up. He missed out on me reaching adulthood. He you know, missed out on me, my training. And it just, it, it helps kind of feel for Sokka for once, where he's such a, you know, jokey character. He's usually the butt of the joke. He's usually the one, you know, getting burped on by uh, whatever creature they encounter. He's the one with the pratfall. We, we see him be serious once in a while. We see him, you know, especially in this episode, we see him be a pretty, I mean, I'm going to say it right now, badass. But yeah, it's nice to sort of draw some emotion on him again. You know, we spend so much time reminding ourselves how, they do such a good job of writing Zuko and making him a relatable character despite being the villain. We forget sometimes that as much, we don't do that enough for Sokka sometimes, and we need those moments. <laughs> Sokka's a great character mm-hmm. uh, in his own right. You know, obviously, you'll, you'll find many video essays and actual essays about just the, how deep Zuko's character goes, and that's true. But, but Sokka's an interesting character in his own right. Yes, he's a great comic relief character. He's a great foil uh, for the rest of the team. But mm-hmm. 
I think he also has a, a very deep motivation in the sense that he wants to live up to what his father built, what his father is and was. And, you know, maybe you can say it's a bit of a, an obsession with sort of the traditional masculine warrior role. But I think Sokka also seeks out his own self-value. And I think he sometimes struggles with that because of what has happened to him in his in his past. Yeah. I mean, you're abandoned by your father and you take the high road and go, well, I got to be the man of the village now, which he really did take up and really took seriously and really put the effort in. Um, and again, I think we've mentioned in past episodes seeing him in combat or seeing him... Um, I was I made a note of it during this episode when they're doing the uh the rock dodging with the boat. But oh, yeah. I, I could not for life remember where I wrote it down before, maybe you'll remember. But just seeing him as kind of like a strategist, like just sort of like looking at a situation, coming up with a solution on the fly and just executing it flawlessly by believing in his team and using their tools using their abilities to his advantage. He does it a couple times this episode. He does it at the ice dodging and he also does it in the in the fight scene, uh with pouring the pouring the perfume yeah. to confuse that um i don't remember what the what the creature was called the really awesome um, anteater thing with the poison tongue of paralyzation yes <laughs> that can smell someone anywhere in the world yeah that thing um, that thing is somewhere between adorable and crazy scary yeah so so he did that there too mm-hmm. but i feel um, like there was another episode too where there was like a fight and he kind of took the charge and like was really smart about it i forget where it was and yeah Angeles yeah i don't but, okay, you mean in previous? I, I don't remember exactly. But like, uh, this isn't our first time head. seeing it. it. Just again, yeah, it, it reiterates something in me that I've always loved about Sokka. Is yes, he's a warrior, but he's also really smart when it comes to strategy. Like he can put together a plan. He can put together, you know, like an effort and see it go through to fruition. Like I feel like his ultimate role one day would be as the master strategist behind an army, not so much on the front lines as though he would want to be. But I'd see him also before the day before in that war tent planning the attack because he has such a good eye for this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Not all warriors are leaders, and, and Sokka definitely has the makings of one. I think I think it's mentioned in the Legend of Korra that he grew up to be. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, but he was I, in I, charge of like the I want, army. I want to get there like and that, see it or... again because I feel like we do kind of get there, or at least they allude to it a bit more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um. You know, as much as Sokka has has a sol- some solid moments in this mm-hmm. episode, we get to learn a lot more about him. Um, I thought Aang's character is very interesting in this episode because, honestly, this is the first time we see Aang sort of go a bit off-brand, I, I felt. You know, for someone who yeah. a few episodes ago was willing to leave his friends behind just to protect them, now is so worried at the prospect of his friends leaving him that he hides a letter or the uh, sorry the map that mm-hmm. their father sent and just i don't know it's just it was crummy of him and i guess you know obviously he came to realize that later on mm-hmm. uh and the whole the whole issue of trust yeah. and, and honesty and integrity uh comes through in this episode so it was just interesting to see ang sort of act that way we hadn't seen that from him before i mean obviously he's just a kid and he makes mistakes but that's exactly sorta... the point. I, I, I literally, I think yeah. writing these notes down helps me see this sometimes, is the note I wrote was, wow, Aang is being childish. He's a child. Right. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. You've grown attached to these people, 
And I mean in the very cartoony, exaggerated way of they immediately like, you're the old toy, the new toys here, Bato, Bato, Bato. Let's talk about the Water Tribe and all the things we know that Aang doesn't. Immediately yeah. make him feel like an outcast and kind of like, you know, oh, I'm not as important. And then yeah. we suddenly have that, um, uh, again, cliche movie moment of I'll walk out of the room right now in a huff right as they go. But we could never leave Hang. He's our best friend and he needs us more than we need dad. Like, had he just waited 30 more seconds, everything yeah. would have been fine. But then we do get him being ultimately very childish in, uh, and selfish. And we've seen him do it a few times before, never on this scale. But he puts himself first and he eventually learns from it. And it's just another instance of him doing it again. Yeah, I, I think for me, at least, the instances where Aang has been childish are more in sort of a goofy, like, I want to go penguin sledding sort of way. And not so much in a, I'm going to put myself above others kind of way. I, like, it's weird because obviously sometimes when I watch Aang, I forget that he's a 12-year-old boy mm-hmm. because he does seem so worldly mm-hmm. and he does seem so altruistic. And of course, being both the Avatar and, uh, you know, an, an air nomad and, and being raised by the monks at the air temple, it, he definitely has that... Oh, God, I hate to say it. No pun intended. He has that air about him. Um, <laughs> I was hoping you'd do it. I love it. But, <laughs> but yeah, this is the first time. I think it was a bit jarring. But, yeah, at the same time, he is a child. He is he is still young, and he is sometimes going to maybe act impulsively, as we all do. Him being the Avatar and him, him having this different experience doesn't change that. Yeah, uh, and I mean, from there we get the obvious. He admits his mistake, and they are very harsh to him. And again, realistically, like as much as they weren't going to leave him, to have him then hide this information from them is very, very distrustworthy, and really does create a rift between them, even if they very quickly realize they have to go back because that Aang really does need them ultimately, and they have a better goal. And even if he did make a mistake, they can forgive him. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing with the analogy with the wolf and the, yeah, that, the wolf being separate. That comes out of nowhere pack. really fast and just punches you right in the feels, and you're just like, oh, that's what we're doing to Aang, aren't we? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what? It, re- it resolves the point pretty quickly. It does make sense. Bato relates to it. They relate to it. I think it's a good mm-hmm. lesson. It is. It's, it's maybe a tiny bit like, oh, convenient. A wolf is, is howling at this, at this very moment. And Bato but... can just tell that. Like, it almost feels like Bato is like, I'm going to make a BS thing up because they should be with the Avatar and not with me and they're being harsh. Because you do have that moment when Sokka it first yells at Aang. Bato is like, wait, let's hear him out. And then Katara is like, no, and walks away. And Bato's like, okay. Like, I think he yeah. kind of gets it. Mm-hmm. And was kind of looking it's, for uh... the excuse to point them back at Aang because they knew. I think that's very possible. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I feel like we've gone pretty far, but we, we should kind of touch up just really briefly on the whole uh, Suzuko side of the story. Yeah, um, I don't think there's a whole lot of deep development no, here. No. It's really just Zuko encounters this bounty hunter named June who has this weird anteater-type creature who's pretty badass. Yeah, They find a stowaway on his ship. Then he goes and seeks her out, and he wants help tracking down the Avatar, which he eventually does. Yeah, I like this episode. There's a lot of good Iroh moments of, like, uh, yes. your weight in gold. How about your weight in gold? <laughs> uh, at the end, when he pretends to be poisoned so we can catch her. 
Oh like, there's God. a lot of, like, little, like, I mean, old pervy guy kind of moments, but, like, yeah, it's Iroh, it's funny, and, I mean, it's a cartoon. <laughs> not, uh, not I also like when they, shit, but... when they're on the trail of the Avatar, they go to that, uh, herbologist, and, <laughs> Miyuki, were you in trouble, did you get in trouble with the Fire Nation again? Again. <laughs> again. <laughs> that was another part, I, I, I did kind of like seeing them trail the path as much as a show could have skipped that, it's a cute little gag moment of, like, going to these major points, having the um, Miss uh, Miss Wu kind of flirt with Iroh, and Iroh's really, yeah. like, cool comment about, like, the last surprise at his age, and he would rather stay a surprise, like... Yeah. That's, like, a really cool, like, we've been joking about you all episode, but, like, damn, that's a really cool moment. Yeah, I will say, uh, I know you usually want to point, point these types of things out, but in the... In the fight scene, uh, when Aang and Zuko start fighting sort of over top of the open well, mm-hmm. like sort of where they're all like sort of just trading steps almost. Yeah. Uh, just a quick shout out. I think that was really no, well. No, yeah, the choreography really well there is so nice. Again, anytime you watch those two fight, I feel like they put such an attention to detail in the movements, the fluidity, the stiffness in certain poses. Like it really does become a striking dance to watch. Uh, but I must say, in this entire fight scene, there is one obvious VIP, and you know who it is. Mm-hmm. Yo, that it's headbutt Oppa. Oppa, that was... <laughs> <laughs> like, we've never really seen Oppa do anything more than, like, sleep, eat, and fly. And this was him being, again, I feel like we're stretching the term this episode, a badass. We forget that uh, freaking air bisons were some of the first airbenders, weren't they? Like, yes. I, th- I think that's the lore. So Appa, Appa is pretty powerful, and he's massive. Yeah, he's uh, a he definitely piece. does generally come off as gentle, mm-hmm. little dopey, little lazy. I just can't wait to see Momo fight next. <laughs> I think he gets into it a couple times. I think he does or here he and there, like a, in his own way, pulling down someone's helmet or like tripping somebody, kind of thing. But um, no, seeing Appa really fight, and uh, again, the emotional connection to this beautiful creature we've kind of just fallen in love with being this big, adorable thing, seeing it get injured and hurt and like having it defend, it's hard to watch. A little bit. You, you do feel for it. You have a soft spot for Appa. Like, damn June and her stupid whip, leave Appa alone. Yeah. Uh, but again, yeah, as we've we kind of got to this pretty quickly again on the Zuko side, but this this really smart move using the perfumes, uh, which we see Iroh steal a little bit of. Yeah, he he was really good in this. Yeah, uh, just a lot of like little, like little comic moments. Like it's almost like Asaka was being too serious this episode. They needed another joke. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. It was. <laughs> but I think he it plays it really well, and it's again I like seeing Iroh as being the funny one because it just makes. The moments when he's serious, more serious. Same thing for Sokka. All of these episodes where he's kind of been the comic relief character or the third wheel. Now he is really... he cut, It really emphasizes how much he grows in an episode like this. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, this episode... Again, I, I wouldn't say anything super significant happened. Yes, we get to hear a bit more about Sokka and Katara's father but we do get some good developments we do get some good progression mm-hmm. just within characters uh and we get to see some cool action yeah this is a good as far as fillery episodes go it's still a very fun one it's got some good characters and good action i feel like june comes back doesn't she she does okay i'm not crazy 
Um, no, I had a comment. That's the next episode, though. Uh, we do have that really cute ending, though, which I kind of like, which is when he returns the necklace to her and gets a little kiss on the cheek, and they kind of j- joke about, like, oh, Zuko wanted you to get it back. And, oh, give Zuko a little kiss for me. Like, it's just That's true. Thing. Yeah, I forgot that uh, that Aang got the, uh, got the necklace back, so that had been sort of a, a little plot point over the past few episodes. No, very cute. I like that one. And a kind of a nice little wrap-up to that scene. It doesn't really feel like it ends anything or starts anything new, but it's cute. Exactly. They're continuing on. They're going north. Uh, they're getting closer to the Northern Water Tribe. Yeah. And I think at that point, that kind of brings us to the end of that episode. Very, very nice episode. I don't know there's much more to say about it. We get a lot of good growth from Sokka. We get uh, our first meeting with some more Water Tribe. And we get a nice little nod that their father's still out there and they have other things they want to do, but they see their mission with Aang is more important, the higher priority, and I think that's a, a good moment. You, you would think that at the first chance to... I mean, hey, they're going to the North Pole to meet more Water Tribe. Yes, Aang is coming along to learn, but at the same time, they have an ultimate goal of getting there, and here they have a shortcut to meet their father, and they say, you know what, no, we're still going to go to the North Pole, we're still going to take Aang on his mission. And, it's a good growth yeah. moment. Yeah, and we get to see sort of like the war still going on. It's mm-hmm. not just three kids against the world. There are people actively fighting against the Fire Nation. So a little, just getting an idea of the scope uh, of the war is still out there. Mm-hmm. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read uh, the synopsis for the next please, please and episode. Please, please thank you. So, this one is episode 16 of book one, The Deserter. After being chased out of a Fire Nation festival, Aang, Sokka, and Katara encounter a group of Fire Nation deserters, led by firebending master and ex-admiral Jong Jong. After realizing this could be his only chance to learn firebending, Aang, with the help of Avatar Roku's spirit, convinces Jong Jong to teach him firebending. Meanwhile, Admiral Zhao continues his chase for the Avatar. Yeah, I feel like, again, I always have this weird thing where like, I watch an episode and I have a lot, like, I feel like it'll be the more heavy one to talk about, but I have way less notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will start with a small detail, one of my little design moments I, I really adore, which is, mm-hmm. I'm sure you notice it as well, uh, when they find the poster for Aang as being wanted. There's another yeah. poster in the bottom corner of another familiar face. Yeah, the blue spirit is down there. Exactly. It's kind of nice. Like, I almost, like, at the very end, they kind of have that moment where, like, pans and zooms into the, uh, the poster. I was like, oh, they're going to point out the blue spirit. And I'm like, oh, no, the guy on top. Oh, right. Like, he's a character in this episode. Although, we don't ever really see him look like that. Hmm. No, exactly. This, this is, uh... This is an episode where we don't have, like, multiple stories. Mm-hmm. This is really where, generally, with a couple brief breakaways, we're generally following Aang, Katara, and Sokka. Zuko's not in this episode. Zhao is, but we generally just, like, I think we see him in pursuit a little bit. Yeah, but... we have, like, two moments of him, like, in pursuit, and then we have them arriving. Oh, he gets to the uh, the fire festival where they've caused a ruckus. Yeah, exactly. I will say this is an episode I sort of forgot about. Yeah, uh, thinking back on uh, uh, on this on this show, I 
I, I don't know why. I do remember Zhang Zhang. I remember Aang first, like, I remember Aang's first attempt at firebending. I think I just forgot the festival part. Yeah, the festival part um, I definitely forgot about. The characters I forgot. I remember the 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 scene we'll get to, the very, you know, first firebending and what Katara yeah. gets out of it. Yeah, so that's why this, I mean, that that is why this episode, I'd say that's one of the reasons why this episode is so important, mm-hmm. it, it, is that. Um, but what I found really interesting is when they meet Zhang Zhang, he's very, very dismissive, and he seems to have a very negative opinion of his own, of his own gift, we can, we can say. He, he really doesn't seem to enjoy the fact that he's a firebender. He doesn't seem to take any pride. In fact, he's almost ashamed. If I may, I think it's less negative and more, it's pessimistic, I think, is more the view. He definitely understands the dangers of firebending. I mean, he makes it very clear that water is pure and life-giving and healing and fire is the opposite. And you have to walk this razor's edge, to quote him, because fire is so dangerous. I mean, to Mm -hmm. explain where we are in the episode, really, the beginning is a lot of filler just to get to the ending, which essentially is they find a village celebrating a fire festival, they go to explore and see how firebending is done, Aang reveals himself because he thinks that some stupid street magician is going to actually hurt Katara, and they end up with a a military Fire Nation deserter where Aang hopes to learn firebending from, if I can summarize the beginning part really quickly. Yeah, that's more or less it. There's not a whole lot to go into yeah. there, at least uh, at least from my opinion. Uh, I suppose you're right. I think it's just for me thinking bigger picture. We do see alternate views on fire, the elements of fire and fire bending later on. So I think I, I just feel like compared to that, Zhang Zhang has a very different opinion. Oh yeah, it's definitely it. a much more pessimistic and much more negatively inclined position. I don't. I mean, he, yeah. I, I, he even kind of says like, "I wish I had a gear bending." He never says, "I wish I wasn't a bender." He just says, mm-hmm. "If I'm going to be a bender, I would have rather had a better element to bend." Yeah. Perhaps you can almost look at it in a way that he respects the art of fire bending so much that he dares not use it unless absolutely necessary. Because him having been in the Fire Nation army and then leaving, he must have seen firsthand the, the sheer destruction that fire and fire bending can do and can impose on the world. Well, even more so, he, we, we learned that he was the teacher of uh, General Zhao and how General Zhao has no respect for the flame and we see Aang use it to his advantage and almost, I mean, he does learn from it, but he sees how destructive fire can be when not handled and you even see every time that he uses fire, he makes this giant wall of fire, doesn't leave a scratch anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, well. After the fact. Yeah, but still, he, like, he uses firebending responsibly. And that's, I mean, the big part of this is trying to teach Aang that lesson, and I think uh, the lesson we kind of get here is Aang doesn't learn his lesson, makes mistakes, and is afraid of what he's done. He begins to fear firebending the same way that uh, Zhang Zhang does. Yeah. It, it... It's 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 vital this part of the episode because I think Aang's reluctance and almost refusal to continue firebending does come back later on in the show once it really becomes inevitable that no you need to 
learn how to do this. This is part of who you are. And you cannot defeat the Fire Lord without all four elements. It's mm-hmm. just sort of how it works. Um, but it's interesting because, like, yeah, the, the whole thing with Zhang Zhang and having been the teacher of a- Admiral Zhao, I guess also, again, having seen what firebending in the wrong hands can do. He even says it best himself, is that, you know, water, air, rocks on their own, they don't really, they, they can't really harm you. Fire is the only thing that if you just leave it be, it can still destroy. Mm-hmm. It can still be dangerous. So I think it's just him. I, I will amend sort of a bit what I said earlier. I don't th- maybe it's I don't think it's him being ashamed of who he is. Maybe it's just him being aware, yeah. overly aware yeah, of very, what a very deep power level he has. Awareness to what fire bending is and what the flame as an element is. Exactly. And like I said, especially coming from the the Fire Nation army where he must have either directly contributed or overseen Mm -hmm. or consulted in a bunch of destructive measures and acts, he probably just had enough and said, you know what, it's better that we just don't use this at all Mm -hmm. if this is what it's going to be used for. No. And ultimately, the only reason he even tries to teach Aang, despite being convinced Aang isn't ready, which we learn obviously he was right, was that mm-hmm. uh, Avatar Roku's spirit pretty much comes up and goes, no, 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 no. I have done this a thousand times over a thousand lives. You will teach the Avatar. You will teach me once more. Um, that, like, that's pretty convincing. I mean, yeah, the 12-year-old kid with the arrow on his head couldn't convince me, but the, the great fire-bending avatar. Yeah, 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 I'll listen to you. It's interesting how that came up. I mean, I don't know... I, I Obviously, Aang didn't go into the avatar state. Just sort of... I don't know if it was meant to be a, a vision, or he sort of just showed up. It was just a manifestation. Uh, but hey, it worked. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think too much about it. I mean, it wasn't an Avatar state, but I think it might just be part of the Avatar to appear as one of his past selves to prove a point or to project one of his past selves to communicate with somebody. I mean, clearly there's that whole tree behind him that wasn't there a moment ago that he burns that was clearly, I guess, in his like mind or something. I guess we sure. can assume it was a mental thing like in that split second in the dark before he lit the candles again and recon- recon- uh, reconsidering the point. No, you're right. You're right, and then Aang eventually does sort of get taught, but loses patience rather quickly. I admit, I think if I had a teacher like Zhang Zhang for whatever subject, I'd be a little like, what what the hell? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> but... I, I understand not going right to let's shoot fireballs and Aang being way too overzealous, but I definitely think... That... The stand on top of a mountain for three hours and practice standing in one spot and breathing is a little ridiculous. Like, I get there's probably a point to this. I get that, like, you need to learn control and patience. But I feel like those are a little extreme measures. Yeah. That said, Aang does seem to get the message at the end of the episode, but it does come at... I, I guess I'll say it does come at a cost. Because yeah, if you want to divulge what we learn at this point or what happens at this point, please. Yeah, I imagine people watching, uh, sorry, watching, listening to this episode 
uh, know what we're getting at. It's that Aang is playing around with firebending. Zhang Zhang leaves to go attend to a, I believe, a disturbance, which ends up being Zhao. Uh, Aang is playing. He actually does conjure fire. Seems to be pretty adept, at least at this basic sort of fireball, mm-hmm. uh, passing it back and forth. Then he makes this big wall. Katara puts her hands up to sort of block herself. She gets pretty badly burned. Uh, Aang is really ashamed. Sokka sees it, sort of shoves Aang over, mm-hmm. gets upset. And Aang, feeling guilty, runs away. But the payoff from all this is Katara wanting just to, I guess, take the sting off. As one does, she puts her hands, her burned hands, in water, only to find that they have been healed, and they're, like, new. And conveniently, we have Zhang Zhang there to kind of educate her in this and explain how this is a power that some higher-level waterbenders do have, which is using water to heal, because water is the element of life, as opposed to fire of destruction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and Katara being a healer is so important in the rest of the show. So the fact that now we see it is what makes this episode important. Mm-hmm. And, and like, especially because when we first meet Katara, she's a good waterbender, but she's not a great waterbender. And by the end of the show, she is a great waterbender. And, and her healing is part of that. So mm-hmm. this is an important episode to see how or, or when she discovers this, this talent, or I would say this, this ability of hers. No, it's exactly it. We get a we get a really nice, you know, we 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 see we see the consequences of Aang's actions. We at least get a silver lining, which is learning or Katara learning this new ability, and we see pretty quickly that she has learned to use it when she heals Aang at the end of the episode after his um, very very enjoyable fight with Zhao, including yes, the classic was... cartoon wiggling of the butt. Oh, I'm Admiral Zhao. Um, and I guess sort of a manifestation of hey why are you hitting yourself as he's burning his own ships Uh, and it it just it it resonates true Uh, like what with Zhang Zhang's lesson is that hey I had a pupil great great cinematography by the way that's exactly how you sort of convey Mm -hmm. that type of thing is I once had a pupil who was only interested in destruction didn't really care about sort of the 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 consequences uh, of his actions or the consequences of his action exactly and then right away we pan we crossfade almost not crossfade but we sort of fade in and we see a close-up of Zhao's face i'm like okay well clearly that's that's who he's talking about and then we and then we see it see Zhao do that we literally see him be attacked and just fire away at them letting the woods burn naturally not caring yeah and, and by extension we actually you know Zhao is an antagonist He's not a huge antagonist, but he does come into play a little bit later. And we actually do get this opportunity a little, a little bit more about him. We, we sort of know he's a, he's a very cowardly man. Rising up through the ranks, we can expect he's sort of... Maybe he's a bit of an ass-kisser. He's a bit of a, a suck-up. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a brown Definitely. He's, he's not an honorable person. He, he's, and, and also, he doesn't utilize his skill properly is we're not getting a huge amount of like yes he's a good firebender obviously he's talented enough to be a high-ranking mm-hmm. member of the army but otherwise he's pretty much everything you would want sort of a almost a sub sub 
sub antagonist. Yeah, to he's me. really just—he's just a bad guy. There's no redeeming it, quality in him. He's your first—he's the first boss, really. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's yeah, he's kind of scary, but there's definitely enough visible flaws to him <laughs> that it's pretty clear to see that he'll be defeated in not in short order and not without some damage and and lingering consequences, but you'll beat him. Yeah, I'm not expecting to turn around and have some sort of mystic powers we didn't know about or have some sort of super ability we weren't ready for. Like, he's just a powerful enemy, but I feel like in the classic style, he's like the, he thinks he's too big to fail, and that'll be his downfall. Exactly, exactly. The end is coming for for Admiral Zhao. Yeah, rightfully so. Jerk deserves it. Hate him. Rightfully so. But uh, Jason Isaacs, loved him as Lucius Malfoy. He's doing a great job. He's a good villain. Good mm-hmm. villain. Quick little voice acting uh, fun note here. Uh, so one <laughs> of those annoying things about getting into voice acting and like following certain people is you notice repeating voices. Uh, so yeah. that magician from the beginning of the episode of the Fire Festival they interrupt is the same mm-hmm. voice who is the uh, scout for the, um, the Great Divide, the one who's there to like hold spot in line. Oh, really? Yeah, which I also that's, pointed that's, out was the voice uh, that's of Robin, Robin from Teen Titans. Right, right. So. And then I also couldn't figure out why, and I, I also need to just share the fact that the fact the uh, military deserter who's there to, like, sabotage the Fire Nation is named Shay. Yes, I uh, I completely forgot to, I actually wrote this down in my notes, but it's it's something that I think as a child you don't catch. No. But it's something there for maybe the... The older folks yeah. who might know a little bit about well, the significance of that. Yeah, we won't go into that, but you definitely know. Uh, but his voice sounded familiar. I thought he was the same voice again, which I thought was really weird for the same character. But it turns out, no, um, the voice actor who plays Shay is also famously the voice of the Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Tales from... Wow. Like, he is the <laughs> Crypt Keeper. A... That's a interesting. Weird... Yeah, it's always weird to see when you get, like, weird, like... It, it looks like he almost had, like, had, he, like, did that, nothing else, this, and now he's done a bunch of bit parts and a lot more, like, mature content. Very interesting. Yeah. There's a couple more cool voice actors that are coming in, in both this and in The Legend of Korra, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, did a couple little deep, deep digging just to see what's coming, and there's some exciting... Like, I, I don't know why I'm surprised, but... At the same time, I just see some of the names. Like, we've already gone through Jason Isaacs, George Takei, Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. Like, Mark Hamill, that, that's crazy. And even, like, Mae Whitman, right? Yeah, I mean, she, you look at what she's exactly doing it. now. She's, like, a huge, well-performing actress and, like, has some great history behind her. You you forget, like, she did this. Yeah, and there's some there's some other ones also that I'm, I'm forgetting. Like, Dante Basco, the voice of Zuko, has, has done a good amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it... I don't know. I guess for me, I I never realized beforehand how many big names they got to at least sort of lend a guest voice. No, and it's nice. Show. And it's, it kind of shows in a show like this. It's it's their fans or their people who appreciate the writing in the show and like kind of got the bigger picture right away. It's I mean, again, it's a job. The job pays pay, but like a Nickelodeon cartoon that has, you know, especially for some of these characters where it's so new and it's such a fresh start. It's interesting to see these are people who probably had some kind of connection to the characters or story they were pitched when they were like, hey, would you do this voice? True. So it's, True. it's nice to think that some of these people are also maybe fans of the show. 
I mean, yeah, that's it. Like, a show that is... I'd say practically universally acclaimed. Um, I, I don't. I haven't seen too many, if any, negative reviews of the show. The movie, on the other hand, yeah. Um, let's let's know. We'll, one day, one day we'll think about it. But today we don't think about it. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, maybe now's a good time. I don't know if we have a whole lot. Do we have a whole lot else to say about this episode? No, I was going to say I'm pretty good to start wrapping up, uh, or to consider this the wrap-up. I think we touched on all the major points. We, we've we learned that Aang now has a pretty distinctly decided he will not be firebending for the inevitable future. We'll see where that leads us. Uh, Katara yep. learns something new, and again, it kind of ends off with a neutral ending. I don't really feel like it's a... They get away, there's a healing, there's kind of a Sokka being funny ending with all of his fish hooks in his thumb, but... Yeah. We, we learn a great deal. Aang has a major realization about it himself. Katara yeah. learns something. I think it's, again, it's a very important episode, despite being one we both kind of forgot a little bit about. Yeah, but, you know, I think it's I think that's normal for episodes that are very close to the big finales. True, like that, right there, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, we could, we could do a little mention, uh, today, I mean, this being September 18th, I don't know when this is actually going to be released. Hopefully soon, we're uh, getting there, I'm working on those. No worries, no worries, I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking shots, no, no, I'm just no. saying but today. Julia, we are date stamping this episode, because I think I know what news you want to reveal. Yes, I, I, and this is news that has spread quite a bit, and I'm cautiously optimistic, is that, uh, apparently Netflix is going to begin production of a live-action uh, series of Avatar The Last Airbender, and it's going to be a retelling, if I'm not mistaken, of, of the original yes, show. Yes, the, the small be any amount of reading new... I've done, that's what it seems to be, is a retelling, a reimagining. Um, yeah, they might add some stuff, yes, but think, it's going to generally be the same story. I believe what I saw, I think you, you tweeted it at me and then followed up quickly with the fact that the original show's writers will be involved. Yes, I was very nervous at first when yeah. I saw the first tweet because I'm like, we've tried this before. <laughs> no, we haven't. Uh, Shut up. This... <laughs> but then when you see that um, the original producers and writers are, are on board, then it's a little like, I, well, actually a little. It's a lot less worrisome. Uh, obviously, I'm curious to see how they'll get the fight scenes, the bending, the creatures. But, you know, CGI has done some great stuff for other shows. Mm -hmm. And Netflix is so huge that they probably have the budget for it. And Netflix also and does something I really like, and I think I may have brought this up in a past episode. It's the fact that they're a net, they're a platform that believes so highly in the creators that they're not mm -hmm. gonna meddle and try to do things their way. They're gonna yeah. they're really gonna say, "You have a fan base. You know what they want. Here is a budget. Please be careful, but go do your thing. We believe in you." that I yeah, truly this is, believe we could end up with something really special here. And this is a fan base that will absolutely eat up whatever is put out. I mean, they'll be, I mean, they will be very critical. I, I don't deny yes. it. I've seen a lot of other shows get rebooted. I don't know if you saw... It hasn't come out yet, I don't think, but there was the Netflix trailer for the reboot. Reboot? Uh, I never saw it. I've heard, I heard that it was happening. Yeah, so far, I mean, like, not to derail us too much of other shows that I love, but that's a show I really love and have rewatched already multiple times and would gladly do again. But the reboot that they had with Netflix is like a high school kids 
going into the computer and becoming the new defenders like none of the original cast none of the original characters i think like they eventually went through the casting and there's like a reference to one of the npcs in the series being enzo but there's no bob there's no uh, megabyte i think was there but again new voice actor Uh, again it feels like a very very distant cousin to the show and Mm -hmm. i mean nothing's come up of it since that trailer launched maybe last winter like, maybe I'll give right. it another look, see if it got cancelled, or if it's still happening, or what's up with that one, but... Again, like, that trailer did... Like, I'm hopeful only because I'm praying there's more to it than the trailer let on, or they'll see the reaction and figure something out. But, again, I have, I've been let down by shows being reimagined, even if people from the original series were involved. But Fair. again, seeing what the what this group did with Korra after Avatar and the tone they were able to take, I have a lot of hope, and I really want nothing more than the best for these guys and this production. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic, mm-hmm. um, just because it's the same guys, and it seems like they're telling the same story. And I understand that uh, some people have sort of said, like, what's the point? It's only been 10 years, really. But I think you still have a lot of people growing up now who maybe haven't seen the show. And I think it could benefit mm-hmm. from just a, a repolishing, maybe change a few details here and there or add a couple little backstories. Uh, who knows what, what, what exactly they'll do. And we have a long time to wait. They're only a beginning production of the show. If I understand correctly, mm-hmm. uh, in 2019. So we're not going to see this for another year, at least. And uh, let's see where it goes. And if it's bad, it's bad. But and we still have, you know, worst case, like I said, it's bad. And, and we, we still have the original, original cartoon. Yeah, exactly. So on that note, on that optimistic note, and some fun news for the community, I guess we will do yep. our signing off and say adieu at our fans. Adieu, or our fans, <laughs> our fans, the people who listen to us and tolerate us. Um, our listeners, our our listeners, our our earbenders. Our earbenders. Like yes. I love that joke. <laughs> uh, and you can see more of those terrible, terrible jokes on our Twitters. Mine being at Foxless Thought and yours, Ryan, being at, at Ryan W. Hit us up online. Again, share with us your thoughts, your feelings, your hopes, your dreams. I feel like I'm quoting the opening to reboot here, so I'm going to stop myself. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, let us know what you think. Is this new reboot? this new reimagining something you're looking forward to are you wary what are your thoughts about it do you have more info that we're missing we'd love to include that in our next episodes uh and again yeah. if we've missed things if you want to add things if you're really upset with our description of zao thinking he's a much deeper character than we let on and he's more than just a villain let us let know us too know. i'd love to hear more about him yeah we will definitely read out some feedback uh, even if we have to edit it in like we were talking mm-hmm. about uh, it's just because we're recording so many of these in advance but we definitely want to hear what you guys think and uh, we're we're absolutely open to it's a show the beautiful thing about this show is that there's definitely a lot of ways that we can sort of read into it so please share yes on that note have a wonderful evening night or day yes goodbye goodbye and happy listening mm-hmm